The Gospel according to Luke, we begin to read at the first chapter, the 26th verse. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth, sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold... I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Amen. And amen. We have once again heard the beautiful account of how the angel, the messenger of God, came and knocked at the life of Mary. What do you think would have happened if Mary had said no? You know, she could have, being a free human being, agent like you and me, she could have said no. Or at least she could have gone to those places that women can go to to get rid of unwanted pregnancy. What would have happened if she had said no? What do you think would have happened if those shepherds who were keeping watch over their flock by night, if when they heard the good news of great joy that under them has been born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Suppose they would have said, so what? They could have, you know. What would have happened to Christmas? Suppose those wise men over there in the east who saw the star shining brightly in the sky, 
Suppose they would have said, my, look at that. We'll have to look into that someday. Suppose they had only said that. And they could have. What would have happened to Christmas? You see, Christmas is saying yes when God's messenger speaks to whomever he chooses to speak. That's Christmas. The nine words that make Christmas are the words that Mary spoke and which Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men and and the other people said, in essence, those nine words that are translated in our English Bible, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. And when somebody has the courage to say those nine words, that's Christmas. At first Christmas, just as today, there are, were then, are now, people who can be divided into two groups, those who say yes and those who say no. That's our choice. We don't have to let Christmas happen not Christmas in our own lives. There were people that first Christmas who said no. Can you imagine the fame and the fortune that that innkeeper would have made? And his family to this day would still be making some income. If only that innkeeper, when the knock came to his door, if he would have said and taken a few moments, well, let's see if we can find your room, but no. He said, there's no room at the inn. And Jesus Christ was born in his own backyard, and he didn't even know it. Herod could have been the most famous of all the kings instead of the most infamous as he is now, if... When he had heard the word as interpreted through the scribes and the Pharisees, those who translated the prophecy, if he had only said to those wise men without any trickery, I too want to come and worship him, but the way he said it, he was saying no. And consequently, today, Herod is the heavy, not one of the guys wearing the white hats when we come to celebrate Christmas. Because he said no. Christmas is for those people who have the courage and the ability to say whatever the messenger is asking of them. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, I want to confess to you that, that that's a very difficult nine-word sentence to say. And by nature, every one of us will do everything in our power to keep from saying it. That's why we only send Christmas cards and give presents and sing a few carols and 
sometimes never really get below the surface as to the real joy, happiness, peace that God intended to come down at Christmas. Why is it that some people can't say, let it be to me according to your word? Some people can't do it simply because they've never heard the word. <laughs> it's as simple as that. For one reason or other, they just have not heard the word. So they can't say, let it be to me according to what I do not know. Some through ignorance, complete ignorance, just do not know that when God wants something done here on earth, he always sends a message through a messenger to some people to do it. That's the way he did it in Old Testament times. When God wanted his will done here on earth, he called out some prophet, some patriarch, some individual who, according to God, had enough qualifications, and he revealed unto that particular messenger the message that he wanted to proclaim to the world. John picks up this whole concept in belief in the prologue of the fourth gospel where he says, the Word, notice the, the word he uses, the Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and came and dwelt in our midst, full of grace and truth. That's Jesus Christ. The Word made incarnate. Now when Jesus, the Word made flesh, before he left this earth, the night in which he was betrayed up there in the upper room, he carried on this concept, this belief, this knowledge that you and I are supposed to have. Remember Jesus said, there are many things that I want to say unto you. See, words. There are many things that I want to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now, said Jesus. But when the Spirit of truth comes, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all those things. He will not speak by his own authority, but what he hears, he will say to you and make known to you all. Notice that word. All that is to come. That's the way God operates. That's why I've been trying to talk about these last few weeks. When God wants something done here on earth, he sends his message through a messenger. But some people don't understand that. I hope all of us have a new concept about it this year and are not quite as ignorant of that fact of how God operates. Some people don't hear the Word of God or know about the Word of God simply because they're insensitive. Oh, they, they believe God spoke through messengers, but way back then. They really don't believe God is speaking today. And they're insensitive to what people are saying, being messengers and the instrument of God in the world today. Consequently, God is speaking but they don't hear because they never associate the speaker with God who is speaking.
or if they're not insensitive, some are are so insecure that they refuse to believe that God could speak to somebody like me. Oh, they believe God speaks, but only to presidents and prophets and priests, and maybe through some preachers, <laughs> but never through a person like me. If you get nothing more out of the Christmas story, remember this. God brought his own son into this world through nobodies. Mary was nobody until Christmas. The shepherds, they were nobodies until Christmas. Some people just cannot say... Let it be to me according to your words, simply because they don't know the words, either through ignorance, either through insensitivity, or e, or through a sense of insecurity, which makes us feel that God speaks but not through us. Don't believe that. Don't let your erroneous zones, your not-okay feelings, your inferiority get so involved in your life that you refuse to believe that God is speaking to you, because he is. Now, some people can't say the words of Mary, those nine words of Christmas, not because they do not know the words of God, it's simply they cannot get beyond the word of fear. They've heard the word of the Lord, and they're frozen with fear. They've read about people like Reverend James Joan and Reverend Moon and some of these other people who are going around saying they are the voice of God. They've become so intimidated that when somebody like a Dick Morley says that the Spirit of God is speaking to you, they become frightened, filled with fear. And I want to say to you clearly, folks, I'm sorry, I can't do anything about that fear. Except please reason it out. Whenever and wherever God speaks, there always has been and always will be fear. I don't know wherever we get this idea that when God speaks to us, we think we're going to be calm and cool and collected and say, oh, what do you have to say today? It doesn't work that way. When God speaks, we rattle with fear. As the writer of Hebrews says, it's a fearful thing to be in the hands of the living God. And if God is speaking to you, then I guarantee you, you're going to be filled with fear. And if you're not filled with fear, then I doubt very much whether or not it's God speaking to you. When anything new or different or unusual happens, what happens? We become filled with fear. If there would be a sound right beyond that wall now, an explosion that we're not used to hearing, all of us would live with some fear and anxiety until somebody goes out and investigates it. Then when we get used to the sound or know where it has come from, 
we relax a little bit. But the first impression always, you see, is fear. We somehow get this idea, though, that when God speaks, there should be no fear. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not true. When God speaks, you're going to wonder, you're going to be frightened, the knees are going to knock, and the fear is going to freeze you. One thing that reoccurs throughout the whole story of the Nativity, Reverend Zachariah, Mary, the shepherds, even Herod, they were troubled and filled with fear. Throughout all of his ministry, Jesus had this same problem, and even on Easter night, the day of his resurrection, he has to say to his disciples and his friends who had heard him many times before, Fear not. Fear not, for I am with you. Don't be surprised if you become frightened by this message which is coming down to us this Christmas. But don't let it be fear that stands in your way of following the message. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. Now look at that sentence. It does not say perfect love prevents fear. Oh no, it casts it out. And to be able to cast something out, it means it has to get in to begin with. What the Bible is saying is that you are not born so that fear will never touch you. Oh no, fear will touch you. And when God speaks, you will be filled with fear. But what the Bible is trying to say is the perfect love will cast out the fear. You have an antidote for the fear. Your particular situation in life is not to be filled with fear, but to rise above the fear. Not to spend all of your time telling people you're not afraid, but rising above the fear. So when God speaks, don't be amazed and don't be so embarrassed that you forget to say that you're frightened, scared even to death. Because you see, that's where most of us have the hang-up. We're not ignorant of how God works. And I can name too many people that I'm looking at right now who are living in that experience of fear of what may be coming around the next corner. But most of us do not say the words of Mary because it's just we won't, will not use our faith to follow in the response that God wants us to have. That's why most of us don't really know Christmas. It's not that we lack the knowledge or cannot live with the fear, it's we refuse to use the faith to respond to his leading. I don't know how many times you have ever said it, but most of us, instead of saying, let it be to me according to your word, we use the other nine word sentence. If only I had more faith. I would follow. 
I've heard that so many times that I'm sick of it. And ladies and gentlemen, if you've ever said it before, get down on your knees and ask for forgiveness. Because if you make such a statement as that, it is not only inaccurate, it is an insult to the Almighty. There is no such thing as more faith. We all seem to think faith is out there someplace, and if, if we can just get out there, we'll find it. Faith's not out there, it's right here. All of the faith you will ever need, God has already given to you. Instead of saying, if only I had more faith, no. Be honest with yourself and God and said, if only I would use the faith that I have. You have it. All of us have it. It's a gift that God gives to us, but we are the ones who must use it. Faith is not something that you get after you arrive. Faith is something you get when you begin. It's something you do now. It is something that a person has to use. When he hears the word of the Lord speaking to him in some way, saying, do this, don't do that, become involved here, climb that mountain, dream that impossible dream, become Christ to the world. When you hear that, though you're scared to death, have the courage to say, let it be unto me according to your word. That's what Jesus did. In my Bible study for this particular sermon, I was very, very amazed and thrilled because it fit together with what I thought was a very clever sermon title. Mary spoke nine words when she heard that she was going to become the birth giver to Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he died for you and me, how ironic, Christ used nine words. Father, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Christ came to die for the world. And he came and fulfilled that mission because he, like his mother before him, had the faith to say, Let it be to me according to your word. I don't know what message or what words God is saying to you today. I know some of you have had the messenger work on you with a message that you just can't get rid of. Maybe it's one that has come from an employer or an employee. Some of you are hearing things through children, some through your adults, some through your doctors, your surgeons. Some of us are hearing news that really doesn't sound very good. And we're frightened. And some of us are being challenged to new ideas and new goals. And we don't want to start anything new. At this Christmas, 
May all of us join together. Whatever message God is giving to us, and no matter how frightened we are, to let go and to say with Mary of old, let it be to me according to your word. Those are the only words that make for Christmas. Please bow with me. And with our closing prayer, please, in unison, join with me in these nine words of Christmas. Let it be to me according to your word. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.